Blog Talk Radio. Do you believe that death is the end? Or is it just a new beginning? Does our soul continue to evolve? Or is it buried six feet under? Spiritual encounters and unexplained phenomena have intrigued people for centuries. But what if you could find the answer? Right here, right here, right now. Right now. Welcome to Heavenly Encounters. Heavenly Encounters. Where we will talk with everyday people who have had extraordinary experiences and gifted souls that see beyond the veil. Beyond the veil. Together, we'll diminish our fear of death, explore our soul's evolution and soften the crippling grief that accompanies loss. Heavenly Encounters. You, our listeners, will discover a new world. A new world. A fresh reality. A fresh reality. Just a whisper away. Heavenly Encounters. So take a deep breath and join us on this fascinating adventure. This is Heavenly Encounters. Heavenly Encounters. A journey to the other side. Heavenly Welcome to Heavenly Encounters, A Journey to the Other Side. I am your host, Mary Elizabeth, broadcasting from Chicago, Illinois. And I am your co-host, Janice, broadcasting live from St. Louis, Missouri. And a wonderful co-host at that. <laughs> oh, well, thank you very much. It's well, not you're so very much welcome. co-host, it's, it's the host. It's that I get to stand in the light of the host. Oh, jeez. <laughs> I know, and that's why I cast such a great shadow. Oh, how how lovely, how lovely. Well, the number one fear that most people have, you know, I've looked at all these charts, it's death. Some people even fear, I mean, like public speaking right in line with death, which is, this is all kind of rather ironic because we all exit the earth plane at some point, right? Exactly. So for those who have listened to our show, you know that we believe there is no such thing as death, only a transition, right, Janice? Exactly, absolutely right. It's like taking off one old coat and going and moving on to put on the next piece of clothing. Exactly. Well, our guest tonight is Samara Riley, who has channeled Mother Mary for 15 years, as well as many other master light beings. We will hear her unique story as well have Mother Mary give us a guided tour of what happens when we take our last breath and cross over to the other side, as well as what heaven is really like. But first, a quick reminder, I am on Twitter at Heavenly Radio 1, that's the number one. Follow me, and I will follow you back. Also, keep the emails coming and tell us about your own Heavenly Encounters at HeavenlyEncountersRadio at gmail.com. Now, Janice. Yes. You spent a good portion of your time out in the ether on the spiritual plane. Do you have actually any fear of death? Or do you kind of welcome it? Uh, None whatsoever. And everybody that listens knows that I've been sick for a very, very long time. And I would be so, I'm I'm so interested on Samara's take. But it is like the more spiritual you become and the higher vibration, you know, it's like you overcome the limitations of your body to where your body almost has no input on your spiritual journey anymore. And so right. that's kind of how I feel about it. I look at the soul and the spirit, 
and that's what keeps me going, and the body is just the vessel that uh, I'm in now. And it really doesn't, you know, it doesn't limit my spiritual growth uh, it, 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 in no way, shape, or form, and it's extraordinarily temporal. And uh, I, I just, I don't fear it in the least, not in the least, because I know when I go home, somebody's going to reach their hand out, I'll take their right. hand, and it'll be uh, it'll be over, right? Well, you know, it's funny. I've read so many books and so many accounts of what life is really like. You know, when when we cross, and sometimes it's like, wow, I'm kind of ready to go right now. I mean, I know, I know we're here for our lessons, and we need to complete whatever we came here to do. But it's really kind of a relief. It also, you know, because you don't fear death, it almost allows you to live your life more fully. It does, and it sometimes can have the opposite effect where if you go over and you have this wonderful ecstatic experience right, that you right. really don't want to come back. Oh, absolutely. Well, let's introduce our fabulous guest. Samara Riley travels the world, world sharing the wisdom from Mother Mary and the Masters while bringing comfort and perspective from the sacred realms to illuminate and enrich our own human journey. She's an ordained Madonna minister as well as the host of Manifesting the Miraculous with Mother Mary and the Masters right here on Health and Harmony Radio Network. And I'm also her co-host. Samara, welcome to the show. Well, thank you so much, Mary and Janice. Wonderful to hear from you as well. Thank you. I'm so, so excited to be on your new show. Well, Uh, good. We're so excited to have you. (laughs) Absolutely. I mean, how often can you actually get a guided tour of what it's really like. Yeah, I know. Will be I answered. Mean, honest to goodness, ever since I've been channeling Mother Mary, since actually that began in 1998, I have had many, many people ask me about loved ones on the other side or, or right. perhaps they were presenting with their own, you know, uh, situation of illness that might be leading them to death's door, and they really wanted to know what it was like. So I do have kind of a wealth of information. <laughs> well, let's you know what. Let's start from the beginning and let's talk about your story first, because that's just as absolutely amazing. So, when did you realize that you could communicate with the other side? Well, Mary, I grew up um, in a little town on Long Island called Massapequa, and when I was about eight or nine, I really began to have almost daily conversations with the other realm. The irony for me is that was a time in life when actually an eight- or nine-year-old girl could leave the house with a book in her hand and say, Mommy, I'm going to go take a walk, and there was no Mm -hmm. fear and no worry about it. Right. And I would walk to the cemetery that was located on my street about, you know, ten houses down. And my mom didn't know that's where I was going, but I, I felt so happy and comfortable there. There were big old trees there, and it was quiet and mm-hmm. shady and lovely. And I would literally sit down on the headstones of, of the various, or sit by the headstone, rather, and I, I could hear and feel the spirits of those beings that were um, passed over, and they would talk to me. It was really oh, kind, wow. of, kind of normal. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Holy cow. You know, so, go ahead. Go ahead. Um, well, what I was going to say was what was, was odd to me is I, I really felt so natural doing it, you know, like I would read their name and I would just have a sense almost immediately, you know, if I read their name on the headstone of what that being was like and the kind of life that they had led. 
And then shortly thereafter, many, many times it felt like the spirit recognized that I was recognizing them, and they would come forth. Wow. Wow. So it was so was it so natural to talk with this realm that you thought everyone had that ability? Well, I did until I went home and shared that with my mother and my brother. <laughs> and that will do. Yeah. Um and as you can well imagine, my uh my mother and my brother both just really started laughing at me and making fun of me and telling me that I was headed straight for the loony bin. Right. Well, I mean, back then, if you told someone that you actually heard voices in your head, you'd probably end up in a padded cell. Yeah. But you still thought, though, that what you, you, you knew what that what you were hearing was actually real. Well, I, I did. I think what happened for me was that I really intuitively, even at eight or nine years old, felt the honesty, I want to say, of these spirits versus in my family and at school, it seemed like people would say one thing and do something else. Everyone would talk about being loving and nice. But, you know, like in many schools, there was a lot of bullying and cattiness, and, you know, right. people were, would say one thing to you, and then you, you'd hear that they said something else behind your back to your girlfriends. And I, I just, it, it always seemed wrong to me. And then when I would ask the spirits about things, they, they kind of helped me see <laughs> why there was such a discrepancy between how it perhaps could be or should be and how most people were behaving. Right. So how did you balance those two worlds? I mean, obviously you felt love and trusted and honesty within that inner world. Then you would go out to what we call the real world, and it would be totally different. You know, it was really it was really hard in many, many ways because what I did was kind of develop, as I think many of us who are sensitive do, kind of an outer persona, like I kind of figured right. out what do I need to do to kind of get through school and have a minimum of interaction that was going to cause me pain or trouble. And then all the free time that I had, I would go and spend either at the cemetery literally or later on, you know, in any place in nature that I could find. I, um, like many young girls, I had become a Girl Scout, and there were badges to be had, like with the um, bird badge. <laughs> so I would ask my mom to drop me off at the Arboretum. And, again, this was back in a time when you, a mom could drop off her, her 9- or 10-year-old right, right. girl by that time. And right. I would be there for three or four hours. And it was not only to talk to the birds, but it was really to, again, kind of immerse myself in what, for me, was the real world. Right, so you're so probably you even talking that, to the spirits of the birds. Yeah, and well, so you yes, knew and that I, that I found was the real world with the, that and the age. trees and, and with everything in nature, because for me, everything was alive, and there right. was a, a communication that could take place with each and every element that was there. Right, so Janice, you were trying to say something? Well, I was just going to say that it's amazing to me that, it, uh, or maybe it's a question. Did you realize at that age that that that, that inner world was the, was the real world and not the outer world that you created your mask for? I really did. I really did. I felt because I felt that sense, which many of us I know feel, of home. Yes. I felt a, a sense of belonging. I felt a sense of peace. I felt, again, like these beings were telling me the truth and Everything else literally felt like an assault on my right. on my knowing, on my beingness. So then at what point did you start, I mean, obviously you're having these conversations, they're communicating with you. At what point did you start actually channeling? 
And um, actually, that what took does that mean longer. for some people out there that don't know what that is? <laughs> that took a lot, lot longer. Um, mm-hmm. I, I had a, a number of experiences in which I would actually do writing. So it's kind of like I, I got information and I would write it down, not exactly like automatic writing, although later on mm-hmm. I did do uh, automatic writing. But it was almost like they would plant an idea or a lesson in my in my mind, sort of like just like a package, like a Federal ex- Express delivery. And right. I would sit down and write it. I've kept a journal since I was about eight or nine years old. And, uh, and I didn't share that with anybody because, again, <laughs> for obvious reasons. But I, I was channeling them in that way, although it would take many, many years before I could become, um, you know, a voice channel. Right, which Janice, that's what you do also, is you, you know, Janice calls it what, scribing, right, Janice? Scribing, yes. Right. Yeah. So it's because funny because could, the first time, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, well, I, I kept journals also. I've got about 22 journals that are right. filled. And I always looked at it was the uh, student sitting at the master's feet taking notes. And that's oh, Janice, why I that always feels to me, yeah. I, exactly. You know, it just felt like here was really the most incredible information and the most incredible um, loving feeling and so why not take that information down versus what we typically would watch on television or something right exactly you know it's funny the first time i actually saw a channel was like at a psychic fair and this it was this woman who had like this really raspy kind of gut voice that was like you know 10 octaves lower and her head was going from side to side it was almost like something out of the exorcist and that's really not what it is is it no. Um, I know that some people do it that way. I, I personally don't, um, but I know that some people do. And I think what it is, um, and I can only, of course, speak from my own experience, right. when you are channeling the being or beings that you are channeling when you're using your body and your voice come at a certain vibrational frequency. And depending on how different or discrepant your frequency is from the being that you're channeling, there is a chance of you literally, like you said with this person, like your body will jerk or things will happen. What what I was able to, to do over time, for instance, when Mother Mary first came, um, it's sort of like getting used to being in a different elevation. In the beginning, okay. I would only channel for maybe five or ten minutes at a time because it, it was it, it, um, challenging energetically to to let her vibration be in my body because she's such a high right. vibration. But over time, it seemed like she was helping me to elevate my frequency, and maybe she was able to bring hers down enough. I don't know. Right. But now when I channel her, I'm completely comfortable in my body, um, and she always likes it if I actually stand up and walk around the room and gesture, and it's, it's like I'm right. I'm really letting her use all of me, um, and, and that feels amazing, but it's not, again, it's not jerky anymore. Right, so, I mean, what actually happens, this energy comes through, I mean, I know we've talked about this before, I mean, do you kind of like step back and she takes, kind of takes over your voice and your body, or how does, how does that actually work? You know, it's it's an interesting thing to describe because it is it is a rather unique experience. Um, for me, what happens is it's like because I've already made my agreement with her, and again, I want to just stress to anybody who hasn't channeled or is interested in it, it's very important, I believe, to create an agreement 
that whoever you're choosing to channel that is always for the highest good for all beings everywhere. And I want to say that because I know people are kind of fascinated with channeling and, you know, maybe we'll go buy a Ouija board or do whatever they'll do. And I just want to say to anyone, please, if you do want to get involved in this, please always say a prayer that whoever comes, it's for the highest good, and then then it's all good. So what happens for me, it's like when Mother Mary comes, it's as if you've opened the passenger door of your car, um, but then she walks around to the driver's side, and you slide over to the passenger side, and she's driving the car. So we're both in the car together, the car being my body. I'm, in a sense, in the passenger role, and she's in the driver's seat. And so she will use my, my, my brain, you know, the, the things I've studied, the things I know. She'll call upon them kind of like a library to utilize, but she's much, much more articulate, you know, than I usually am. And she also carries this frequency of, of unconditional love. So people have told me, and they've taken pictures that show an aura and that show orbs and that show that something is happening, you know, vibrationally. And so she's in the car with me. We're doing what she's doing. And then when she's ready to leave, again, it's as if she opens the door and moves out and lets me get back in the driver's seat. Wow, that's interesting. And I think that's also good for our listeners to know is that a lot of people channel, and it doesn't have to be an entity coming through you. If you're a songwriter, if um, you know, you musician, whatever it is, a writer, anything creative, if you're a basketball player and you're in that zone, isn't that also kind of a different form of channeling? I completely agree, Mary. I mean, I think it's, as, as Janice was saying earlier, too, about being so connected to the other realms, all of us have such capacity, you know, up for inspiration. And I believe that when we're open like that, whether, you, like you said, whether it's writing a song or doing a beautiful painting, and they've, you know, they've said, you know, that they talked to people like Mozart, and he would say, well, it just came to me, you know, completely right. full, the whole thing. And I think that is what can happen for people. Um, and we are being blessed with so many beautiful ideas and inspiration if we will essentially open the door um, and let that through. But, again, it's always our choice and, and whatever level of uh, fear we may have about that. But so much of it is, uh, you know, so beautiful. I know when I channel, I always do say my prayer for the highest good, but I also put in my prayer that it be for the, the highest good, yes, but of sort of the deepest joy and the utmost peace and healing for whoever I'm channeling for. So we right. can create that kind of um, partnership with spirit and, yes, create amazing music, amazing paintings, amazing radio shows. Absolutely. 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 So tell us about when Mother Mary first came to you. Oh, it's such a beautiful story. Honestly, it just still brings tears to my eyes every time I think about it. Um, It was late in 1997, and I had just recently moved into a brand-new home in Scottsdale that I was dedicating to be a center for um, teaching and, and sharing spiritual values. By then I was channeling, but it was all still at that point in writing rather than as a voice channel. And one afternoon I was meditating, um, as I do pretty, I mean, I do almost every day, but in that day I was meditating in the afternoon, and I felt a presence. And, I mean, it was as if you could feel this 
change in the energy. Some of you know, you know, when the thunderclouds come in, all of a sudden it's charged. The energy is full of vibrational something, power. And I felt that energy arrive, and I knew it was big, and I knew it was powerful, and for me, I could tell it was feminine and also incredibly regal and loving. But I, I didn't know who it was, if you will. And so I reached out, you know, kind of in a telepathic way and essentially said, hello, and, and who are you? And her answer still is so profound to me today. She said, Many call me Mary. And that's a really interesting answer. It is not, it's saying that, for, for me, it was saying that she is the Mother Mary, the Mother of Jesus, but perhaps also more than that. And then, you know, I said, well, what, what can I, you know, essentially what can I do for you? Um, and she said, again, something very interesting. She said, will you be with me? Wow. And, you know, over these years now, of which it's been, gosh, now, you know, over 16 years, I, more and more what I understand about what that means to be with, whether it's to be with Mother Mary, whether it's to be with Mary and Janice on the radio show, it means to, for me to be as present as I possibly can in my own uh, being and also with whoever I'm with. And so I'm not carrying old stories. I'm not planning something for the future. I am truly, fully present. And when that happens, it, it, it's like there's a mystical shift out of time and into an amazing space. And on that day when she said, you know, will you be with me? I honestly felt like, well, you know, I half an hour, sure. You know, I mean, I had no <laughs> thought at yes. the time that this would be that kind of commitment. And I'm, I'm very glad right. that it, it has been. And it looks like it's going to be, you know, till, they, till the end of my time on the planet. But um, when you think about it, I, any of our listeners out there, just think about what does it mean and how would it feel to you to have someone really, really be with you? It's, you know, it's really hard, especially someone of that caliber, to even imagine that and to be guided by that. But the, the unique thing is we all have access to all of these beings as well as ascended masters, archangels, and we just have to call on them. Yeah, We do. We all have this access, and I'm so happy that you and Janice are doing this show to let people know, in a sense, how normal this is rather than it mm -hmm. being something so outlandish because – my my personal experience with Mother Mary is that I, she is everywhere for everyone, any time. Yeah. But, yes, they have to either ask or at least be open, you know, with all these apparitions, with all of these uh, times that she shows up and people hear her voice. Um, it's really right. a question of trusting that and then allowing it. Well, it's yeah. funny you said that because I was at a – I'm Catholic and I do go to church every Sunday, and I was – it was I think it was the Immaculate Conception – and I was sitting, I was there by myself, which is very unusual. I was sitting in a space where I could look right at her statue. And I think I even told you about this. I mean, I absolutely felt her presence sitting right down next to me. So, you know, you, you did tell me, Mary, and I, I believe you completely because I think that is part of, of Mary's presence is that she is so loving and so powerful mm -hmm. and wants so much to help all of us that 
any of us that are just open in that way, um, she, she's right there. And, right. and speaking of Catholic, I just want to correct one little thing here because I wasn't raised Catholic, and so early right. on in my relationship with Mother Mary, and many people who are Catholic have such a wonderful devotion to her, mm-hmm. and people who aren't Catholic kind of don't necessarily relate to her. So when she came, you know, when we were creating this relationship over time, I, you know, I said one day to her, because I was a little worried about this, I said, you know, Mother Mary, I think you've got the wrong girl. And <laughs> she kind of laughed for a minute, and I could hear her, because, again, by then we had this telepathy going. She said, right. daughter, why is that? And I said, well, you know, Mother Mary, I wasn't raised Catholic. And she, she kind of smiled in my way of looking at her, and she said, well, <clears throat> daughter, Neither was I. <laughs> so what I tell oh, people when they, when they call or email right. or write me to, you know, perhaps have a session or invite me to come to their city to share Mother Mary, um, she doesn't belong to the Catholics. She belongs to right. all of us. Right. And she is the mother for all of us that, that would like her to be. So... I, I, I just always like to put that story in for people who say, well, why would I talk to Mother Mary? I'm not Catholic. <laughs> right. That's funny. Well, you know what I love about that story is that, I mean, to me, I look at her as, you know, a rock star of the spiritual world. I mean, when we first started doing um, your show together, Manifesting the Miraculous, I mean, I was like a nervous wreck probably for the first maybe year because I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, here I am. Mother Mary's talking to me. What am I going to say? <laughs> But the thing is, she's just so amazingly humble. I mean, she says so many times, I'm just like you. I'm not any better than you. We are on this path walking together. It's just amazing. Exactly. And she's so um, easy to talk to. You know, people who are having a private session with me, you know, you're right. At first, many times they're nervous. And then once she comes through and it's just this wonderful conversation, Mm -hmm. I had one young woman who said, she was so scared that Mother Mary was going to chide her for her sins, you know, like coming to confession right, or something. Right. And then after her reading, you know, she left so lighthearted, like, oh, my goodness, Mother Mary didn't judge me. I'm, you know, I'm not, I'm not in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> How funny. Well, let's talk about crossing over, which is kind of the, okay. the point of the show. Um, so let's just, I wanna, I'd like to kind of start from the beginning and kind of walk through the entire process. So when okay. we're kind of nearing what, you know, us in the spiritual world calls our exit point or death, what are the changes that start occurring in our body? Well, you know, what I'd like to do, if this is okay with you, Mary, is bring through Mother Mary to answer these questions on okay. death because I think um, it will have even more impact. Would that be all right? That's perfect. Oh, I okay. would love it. <laughs> all right. So I take a breath, I say my prayer, and here we go. <laughs> Well, first of all, I want to say thank you, thank you, thank you to to Mary and to Janice and to anyone who's listening, because as some of you may know, those of you that have met Samara or talked, been on our other radio show, I love to talk. (laughs) (laughs) And I can talk and talk and talk, and now Samara can, can handle it for hours at a time. So let's talk about the exit point and death, as you humans call it, um, of the body and what might be happening. But before I answer that question fully, I want to plant something in the consciousness of everyone who's listening. And I want you to really hear me as hopefully as clearly as you possibly can. Death 
is not a punishment. It is a promise to all of you that once you have completed your time on the earth, you will come home to us. And I really want you to know that. Because once you begin to understand that and trust that and feel into that, first of all, you can live your life with more joy. And second of all, you can recognize that as you do reach, shall we say, the exit point or towards the end, what begins to happen is that first and foremost, while you're sleeping, you begin to visit us. You might have dreams. You might have something when you wake up that feels like a memory that comes to you. And what begins to happen is that your soul begins to come back home for a bit, sort of like when you were a chil- children playing hide-and-seek and you would go running to home and put your foot on the home base. It's like that. <laughs> So as you are beginning to consider leaving, for the most part, all of these things take place while you're sleeping so that there isn't really an interruption or a fear that takes place during your day. Now, more and more, as any and all of you begin to recognize that, as Mary said earlier with Janice, no one gets out of the earth journey alive. You will stop worrying about it and begin to recognize the only regret that you'll have is the life you didn't lead. And so now that you're aware of this, that you all will come home and that the the visitations that you'll make during the last weeks or months before you come will remind you and help you feel that welcome then I think it will be like, um, as Janet said earlier, like taking off an old shoe that doesn't fit anymore. Yes. Wow. So then once we are out of body, what, I mean, what do we feel or hear or see? What's around us? Well, this is such a good question, and sometimes it could be just a little bit different because sometimes people kind of linger a little bit. Those of you that see people winding up in the hospital for a while or in a hospice or whatever that are seemingly in and out of a coma kind of thing. Right. What's happening is, again, rather than it being a visitation while you're sleeping, it could be that while you're in the hospital or the hospice, this is where you are kind of conked out from the medication to keep you from having any pain, but also mm-hmm. during that time you are visiting with us and essentially becoming acclimated, again, to recognizing that leaving your body is really not a bad thing. It's really going to be very liberating when it is your time to come home. Now, once the actual moment of death has occurred, what begins to happen is that rather than the senses, what you're used to, your eyes, your ears, etc., what begins to happen, it's as if a movie that you are in begins. And so many of you have heard stories of people seeing the light and seeing relatives and all of these things, and that is accurate, again, for almost everyone. Because what happens is if you are already acclimated, 
because you've made your uh, your home visits during those last weeks or months and recognize what's there for you, then it's quite easy. You're following the path of light. You're being greeted by people that have passed over. You see your favorite pets if, if they have gone before you, and you feel like, oh, okay, now I'm going to go to the next home for me. And the difference, Mary, as I said, is that it's not um, sensations in your body. It is literally mm -hmm. being in that movie that is now coming um, to you and through you because all of your energy now becomes, I guess I would say, a sensing mechanism. Right. Hmm. Well, speaking of movies, I mean, Entertainment always seems to depict this angel of death. I mean, is there someone that actually is there to guide us once we do detach? There are always angels to greet you, always. There is not one angel of death that would be boring. <laughs> <laughs> and we are anything but boring. What we like <laughs> is that you are greeted by someone or some being that fills you with such love and hope and readiness that off you go. And so it, it might look and it might be literally a relative or it might be if you have a special fondness for Archangel Michael, it might be him or someone else. Okay. So is there a tunnel or white light that we always hear about? For most people there is. What happens, you see, is that, again, the body is um, a collector of all sorts of energy and understanding and, in some cases, lack of understanding. And so what we want for everyone is the smoothest transition possible. And so, shall we say, the fast track is the tunnel, the white light, the relatives greeting you, and off you go, uh -huh. right? <laughs> Right. <laughs> if you are still unresolved, reluctant, unfulfilled, uh, for those, for instance, who've been killed in a car accident or who have in some way, shall we say, committed suicide, uh, you know, so they're not fully ready in some ways, right? Right. What happens is they're, they're literally taken to um, a kind of hospital, and I say that in the sense of an emotional hospital and a mental and physical hospital that can help them to rearrange their energy so that they can complete whatever they felt incomplete about and therefore then be ready to just move fully and directly into the light. So, again, because there's no time where we are, I can't say, oh, well, they stay for a week right. or a month or a year. But they stay long enough that their energy is no longer so still attached to the incarnation that they've left that they cannot move on. Right. Well, what about some homes, in, like, let's say, that are haunted? Are people, do they get stuck here? Do they decide that they don't want to go? Or is that somebody that maybe they do cross and they come back? Well, in, again, you know, we can't speak for 100% of the situation. Right, right. But in many cases, what's happening in the haunted house is that the person is not yet able to be, shall we say, uh, rehabilitated for heaven. Okay. They are okay. still wishing they had done this or wanting to do that or wishing that they could communicate with this one 
or that one. They, they're just still reluctant. And so yeah. we, again, we don't make anyone do something. So if mm-hmm. they're still feeling that way and they're still, therefore, then attached to the haunted house, to the place, we let mm-hmm. them do that. But many times what will happen then is that people like you who do ghost busting <laughs> and others <laughs> can feel into that and help that right. soul move on. Because part of what's happening is that soul is still there, right, kind of stuck. And sometimes there are others in that person's life that are also still stuck. Right. Wishing they hadn't died, feeling a great deal of regret, et cetera, et cetera. And so it's sort of a a codependent haunting. (laughs) That that actually makes perfect sense. (laughs) Yeah. Right. more of a limitation of consciousness or a limitation of the development of the soul that keeps one from going straight into heaven or walking through that tunnel or deciding to, deciding to stay earthbound? Is it a consciousness that they can't get past or is it, is it something with their soul that they can't get past? Well, it's it's really hard to separate those two ideas, Janice, because the consciousness is a reflection of the soul's development. Okay. Hmm. And so if they can't get past it, what's happening is their consciousness is still held in what I would call a belief that no longer serves them, but their consciousness is still holding on to. So if you have a great illusion in your consciousness, that illusion can be reflected into your soul and limit exactly. you. Okay. Yes. And that's a beautiful question, Janice. That, that's well, exactly right. And, you, you know, when you think about it, look around your world. What makes the difference between someone having a consciousness of joy and liberation and someone who doesn't? And all souls, in a way, have uh, equal opportunity as souls, but as, as beings in the earthly experience, naturally there are concerns and limitations and experiences that keep people held in um, a less than liberated consciousness. Hmm. Interesting. Now, would this still be like choice on the other side? To be limited in that way? Yes, that we can still choose, even though we're out of body, to be limited like that, to keep that illusion going? Well, here's what happens, Janice. You know, it's such an interesting question. Um, Before you incarnate, as as most of you know, you create an agreement, right, a soul agreement? Right, right. And all of you who have incarnated have the capacity to completely fulfill that soul agreement. However, when you land and move into, shall we say, forgetfulness, right? Right. Some of that capacity is therefore uh, limited or hindered by your beliefs in whatever you've forgotten. Okay. And so, you know, it's sort of like what makes a, uh, a Gandhi, right? You know, why, why him? Why not someone else, you know? And... Why, what makes someone succeed in their, in their soul path, and therefore also, of course, what is success. But many of you feel this sense of incompleteness, right? Yes. 
and this sense of, you know, almost an urgency to get something done. Yes. Right. And what that really is, is the soul's um, blueprint agreement that is sort of pushing at each of you to be fulfilled, to move along, to move beyond uh, what 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 Samara learned early on was not the real world, but which people think is the real world, and how to move beyond that, how to develop your own mind, how to develop your own ideas, how to navigate in this environment that is really built around so many faulty ideas. And so it's a little like... Um, uh, your your video games that you have, you know, you you set it all up, but then you've forgotten that you're the ones that set it all up. To set it up, yeah, <laughs> exactly. And, and you know, and 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 so it's it's really about this. I, I guess what I want to say, Janice, is one of the things that's important to shift your consciousness is what I'll call awakening, and it's awakening to the idea that you are more than the boundaries of you know, being a white girl living in, you know, this area, you know, who's this age or who's that or whatever, and recognizing, you know, that's my costume, that's my uh, clothing that I'm wearing, but I am made of God. I am a, a child of God. So what are the rules and regulations that I would have uh, that follow God's rules and regulations, and I'm not speaking of the Bible, I'm speaking of God, um, right. that would say how I'm to operate in this world. And so this awakening really allows someone to question how the world's rules, regulations, and ways of being are perhaps not entirely the best way to live. And I think many of you right now in the world are experiencing here in 2014 that there is so much still to be done in terms of liberation um, and that especially the women and the feminine face of God must now help to liberate people from the slavery and the bondage and the degradation that has taken place uh, for all this time. So it's it's this process of individually awakening and then allowing yourself to be guided by your own uh, capacity and your own connection to take the steps and to move into the arenas that are joyous for you and feel right for you and then to gather around you the people and the support that is correct for you. And again, all of these things are contrary to what they would teach you at the Harvard Business School. But nonetheless, <laughs> that's really the curriculum that is now being um, opened and brought forth by many, many people all around the planet. And, um, you know, if you, if you doubt it at all and you're having a bad day, just go to the TED Talks and, and find yourself some inspiration. Absolutely. Thank well, you. let's say that everything is kind of going to plan, I mean, going, you know, by the plan, that you detach from your body, you, there's your grandparents there to escort you through the tunnel. Where do you go then? <laughs> you know, that's so interesting, Mary. Very, very often people don't even ask that, right? They just want to know they get to the pearly <laughs> gates. They don't know what happens right, after that. I mean, are they really even pearly gates? I mean, I don't know. These are just, I like the details. <laughs> Well, exactly. But again, remember that when you do leave your body, 
what's happening becomes like you're in a kind of movie or a kind of dream. And so, again, for many people, it's a bit different. If you've always believed in and felt the pearly gates, that's what you might find. If you love a beautiful garden of fruits and vegetables, perhaps that's what you'll find. So what happens is the joyousness of your soul outpictures and creates that which would be most like home for you. Wow, um, you it's kind a little like your own heaven. Exactly, exactly. Those of you that have seen the movie, and it's rather a dark movie, but it makes a good point with Robin mm-hmm. Williams, What Dreams May yep. Come. Yep, I love you that movie. You can see that in each case the person is creating what they're believing about themselves and their contribution or lack thereof in life. Wow, And Absolutely. that movie shows a lot of darkness. We really don't have that much darkness in heaven. As I said, we have sort of a, a heavenly hospital, if you will, um, for <laughs> rehab. But right. what I want to say is, so then heaven becomes this liberation. And there's, again, it's, it's not always 100% this way, but in general what happens if you move right into the white light and through the pearly gates and get greeted by everyone it's a little like a little re- like a reunion at first where you get to spend some time with those who've gone before and welcome them right. and say hello to your pets and all those kinds of things. And then after a while, it's sort of like, well, I am part of the creative essence of God. So essentially, now what? Because creation continues. Creation does not end when you leave your body. You just move into another arena of creation. Mm-hmm. And again, like as with all free will, you will also have some more choices. You can choose to reincarnate again. Many people who feel like they blew it want to come back. And they recognize <laughs> that they blew it because when you do get your reunion, part of the, um, the opportunity is to look back at your life. And as I said, the only regret people have is the life they didn't lead. And the life that you, that you would regret is the life of you that you were meant to lead. And, you know, one of the wonderful teachers in your world right now, Carolyn Mace, she had a wonderful quote. She said, suffering comes from trying to lead a life that isn't yours. Yeah, oh, and I think it was such a beautiful and powerful way to explain to people that if you simply entrain yourself – because mother or father or teacher or whoever said, you must be a doctor or a lawyer, an Indian chief, you know, don't do that, it's no money in it, go do that. Then what happens over time is your own uh, divine blueprint gets eroded because you're leading essentially a life that isn't yours. And ultimately you will either have a breakdown of physical or mental or, or some other thing, or even if you don't, when you finally do pass over and look back, you will see how you veered away from the life you were meant to have, and it will sadden you. Mm-hmm. Now, again, it's all a beautiful experience. You can then say, wow, let me go back and let's see if I can do something different the next time. So heaven is a place of immer- immersion, immersion in your own being and with others to then say, how now might I express myself and how now might I serve the one, the greatness, 
the all that is. And then you take your next assignment. Some people do not like to reincarnate. They really prefer to work from the other side. So, for instance, right now, uh, Mother Teresa and Princess Diana and many others with her are working to help, diligently working to help the mothers of the world and the women of the world to stand up for themselves, especially in those countries where there is such hideous, hideous treatment of women. Right. Absolutely. Right. Now, are there different levels, depending upon, I guess, how evolved your soul is? Well, I, would, I wouldn't say that there's levels exactly. What I would say is that your time in rehab becomes less. <laughs> <laughs> so, in other words, if you don't really know, you know, don't really need to go to rehab, you're all set, you're, right. you're happy right. and clear. What happens is you're like, oh, okay, well, I've visited with my relatives, I've petted my dog and cat and all of that. Now what would I like to do? And so you, in a sense, choose your next assignment based on your energy and your joy. Mm -hmm. And that is why, as I said, many people choose not to reincarnate, and those who do um, you know, choose lives in which they feel they can be of even more fulfillment right. and service. Well, what about somebody like, let's say, Hitler or Saddam Hussein or like a serial killer? Is is there such thing as a hell, or are they kind of like in that hospital that you talked about for a longer period of time? Um, yes, they're in the hospital for a longer period of time. There really is no hell. The The hell, in a way, what I want to say about that, and you can see it again in that movie, What Dreams May Come, right. the hell is looking at your life with clarity and recognition about the actions that you took or didn't take. Mm -hmm. And that causes in the person a recognition. You say when you think of Hitler, ironically, for most of his life, he really believed he was doing the right thing. Right. And again, it's because the beliefs that he was holding were completely skewed by his idea of superiority. Mm -hmm. And so he did what he did. And many people right. followed him and did what he told them to do. And so right. a person like a Hitler or a Saddam Hussein begins to really see sort of from the telescopic view their effect on humanity. Right. And in that sense, they can then take responsibility for their actions. But again, that takes a while, a little like deprogramming someone who has been brainwashed. So Absolutely. basically, wherever they go into this hospital, it works on the illusions that they may have had. Exactly. And, 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 and then once they leave, do they have the choice to leave at, 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 at their choosing? Are they let go when so much of the illusion has, or have they passed a test, or so much of the illusion has dissipated? Well, they really, they can't really leave, and it isn't that we're sitting there, you know, in a locked ward kind mm -hmm. of thing, but energetically, Janice, you know about vibration, you know about yes. frequency, and it's like if someone is still living at that frequency, they, they, they really can't move beyond it. And then once they can, they're good to go. Okay. Good. Well, we just have a couple more minutes. I just have a couple more questions. 
Um, you know, what if you are with someone that's taking their last breath? What can we do to actually help in that transition? Oh, this is the most wonderful question. Thank you so much for asking this question. When someone is taking their last breath, it is one of the most, I would say, beautiful things for those left behind to be with them in such a place of um, appreciation and reverence and also letting go. So often this is a time when the loved ones start to cry and wail and, Mm -hmm. oh, don't go, don't go, don't go. Darlings, please don't do that. Please don't do that. Recognize that they're coming home to us. They're coming home to love. They're coming home out of their own choice and their own completion and their own weariness sometimes with this world. And so the most loving thing, lovely thing you can do is hold their hand and sing them home. Sing Amazing Grace. Sing Hallelujah. Sing your favorite hymn. Play your favorite song that, that touches them. Feel them rising. Kiss them and send them to us on the wings of your light as well as the wings of theirs. Hold them the very last minute, but let them come with freedom and with peace. That's beautiful. And probably I would say one of the most probably painful, painful experiences is when a child dies, whether they're, you know, two years old or 20 years old. What can you possibly say to a parent to console them when they lose a child? You're right, Mary. This is one of the deepest, deepest heartaches for the parents and and those close to the child. And, you know, the irony is to the human mother or father, there's almost nothing you can say. What I would say over time, again, not in the moment of, of the passing of the child, but over time, to the, have the recognition there must be some need in heaven for this angel. Heaven must need your, your child as an angel. And we don't know what it is just yet as you're right. speaking to the mother or father. But let's hold our hearts open that that little angel may shine down on us and this world with their precious love. Wow, thank you so much, Mother Mary. You've been absolutely wonderful. Thank you for joining us tonight. Thank you so much to Mary and Janice and many blessings to all who are listening. I love you all. I'm always here. Namaste. 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 We love you too. Absolutely. Samara, I have a real quick question. We just have a minute. Could you tell people what you do on a one-on-one personal level and how they can contact you? Thank you. Um, Well, my website is channelmary.com, and what I do one-on-one are personal uh, sessions with Mother Mary and sometimes with some of the other masters. You can ask any kind of soul question or any kind of question about yourself or your life and get answers from Mother Mary. So, so email me at channelmary.com. Absolutely. Thank you so much. It's always amazing talking with you and oh, Mother Mary. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Mary, thank you so oh, much. It was, it was my pleasure. Thank you so much. Great. Good night.
Okay, our next show will be on Wednesday, July 23rd at 7 p.m. Central, and our guest will be Robert Kopecki. He is the author of How to Survive Life and Death, A Guide for Happiness in This World and Beyond. An Emmy-nominated art director for television, Robert has three near-death experiences and shares what lives on the other side of our fears about dying as well as living. And with that, Janice, I think it's time for Illuminations. Illuminations. It's time for illumination. Food for your mind. Okay, Janice, what do you have for us tonight? Oh, well, this comes from the great Benjamin Franklin, one of my favorites. A long life may not be good enough, but a good life is long enough. Absolutely. And mine is from, I'm not sure who this is, but it's C.L. Allen. If we really understood heaven, we would be most unhappy and unsatisfied with life on earth. We would rebel against our earthly limitations. If we saw heaven, we could not bear this earth. That's why heaven is forever. We cannot bear to leave it after we get there. Amen. Absolutely. And with that, you know, it's, you know, it's, it's conversations like this, I think, that really kind of ease fears about our own deaths as well as at least give a little closure when we do lose someone. I don't know about you, but, you know, it seems like we've lost so many people so young in their 40s and their 50s and even, you know, children as you know, young as 2 years old or 20 years old. And it's so, so painful. But, you know, to know that they're going someplace that's so much better and it's actually home and you will be reunited again is the whole reason why we've actually done this show. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. So thank you, Janice, for another fascinating show, and thank you to our wonderful listeners for joining us once again. Remember, please email us and share your heavenly encounters at heavenlyencountersradio at gmail.com, and check out our new blog at heavenlyencountersblog.com. And the last one, we're on Twitter at heavenlyradio1, and that is the number one. Until our next show, be inspired, be empowered, and be well. You've been listening to Heavenly Encounters. A journey to the other side. Good night. Good night, everyone. Good night. Good night.